Open your Bibles to the 26th Psalm. If you don't have your Bible, there's one in the pew rack. We encourage you to use that. Psalm 26. We're going to read this psalm. I want you to read along with me. Psalm 26. A psalm of David. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Thank you again, Father, for this blessed book, the truth of it, the principles and precepts we find in it. This morning, as we look to your word, I pray that you would deal with hearts in this place today. Lord, that we would be open to you and receptive to you, that our hearts would be tender towards you and what you want to do in our hearts and lives. I pray for those who are here without Christ that they'll be saved today. I pray for the saved folks here this morning that they'll be attentive to you and your Holy Spirit as he guides and he speaks to our hearts. Lord, this is your time. We simply want your will to be done. We pray it, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I've titled this, Traits of a Wholehearted Christian. Traits of a Wholehearted Christian. Over in Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 and 36, we find one of the Jewish lawyers asking a question to Jesus. He says there, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? In other words, he asked Jesus, which of all the commandments in the law is the greatest or the most important? Jesus gives an immediate reply. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That is the first and great commandment. I believe what Jesus is saying, that we must love God with a whole heart, wholehearted love. He is to have the number one position in our hearts and in our lives. In our text for today, we find a psalm of David. David, we know, was a man after God's own heart. David knew that God wanted to be number one in his life, that he was to love God with his whole heart. David wrote most of the psalms, and that phrase, whole heart, is used nine different times in the psalms. In the psalm before us, we find David asking God to judge him, examine him, prove him, and see if his love for God isn't a wholehearted love. Today, I believe far too many Christians fall short in this area. These may love God with their, their, these may love God, but their love is not a wholehearted love, but it's in reality 
a half-hearted love. Today we're going to look at this psalm and see the evidences of a wholehearted Christian. So I want you to notice what the psalmist said as David reveals himself to be a wholehearted Christian. Number one, how can I be a wholehearted Christian? Well, by having a desire to be examined by God. He says there in verses 1 and 2, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Notice he says, judge me, examine me, prove me. When he says that, David is allowing God total access uh, to his life. He has no areas of his life that are off limits to God. He said, look at my whole life and examine me. He desires God's scrutiny. He says, prove me. He desires to be examined by God and any defects to be revealed. We sing that song, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. David was willing to open himself up to God and say, examine me and see if there's any wicked way in me. When he talks about his reins there, he's speaking of his inner man. That is, uh, when he's speaking about his reins, he's talking about the, the real person, the, the us no one else can see but God. I'm talking about this is the us that harbors sins in our heart, like bitterness and envy and strife and hatred and lust and those kind of things. He says, search me and see what other people cannot see about me. The wholehearted Christian wants to have a clean heart before God, a clean heart and having no hypocrisy, no double-mindedness, no unyielded areas of their life. Each of us must strive to be a wholehearted believer, uh, number one, by having a desire to be examined. But then notice this, by having a faith in God. Again, in verse 1, he says, I trusted also in the Lord, having faith in God. Faith in God for salvation. Salvation is by grace and through faith, according to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. The Bible says, therefore, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. Salvation is simply by grace, through faith, faith in God's revelation, faith in what God reveals to us about ourselves in this blessed book. He reveals that we're sinners. All of us are sinners. We're all in the same boat. I know you didn't come to, to have your bubble burst this morning, but I have to tell you the truth. We're, we're all a bunch of dirty, dirty low-down, rotten sinners in God's eyes. Uh, he says so, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a sinless person in this world. There was one sinless person who ever walked the, this earth, and they hung him on a tree and crucified him that he might die for our sins. But we're all sinners. And uh, the Bible also says, not just that we're sinners, that as sinners we're destined for hell, for the wages of sin is death. What we deserve because of our sin is to die and go to hell and be separated from God forever. That's what that death is talking about in that verse. The wages of sin is death. It's to be separated from God forever and ever. The Bible goes on. It tells us how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Over in Romans 5.8 it says, But God commendeth his love towards us, or shows his love to us, uh, while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. 
So we have faith. We have faith in God for salvation. We have faith for that God loves us and has made a way to avoid hell. And then we have faith in God's promises. One of those promises of God is found in Romans chapter 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then the Bible says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's faith in the promise of God. God promises any and all who come to him, he will save. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open that door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Jesus knocks at the door of the heart of every person who ever lives. He wants to save people. God doesn't want anybody dying and going to hell. The Bible says he is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. And Jesus knocks at the door of our heart. He wants to come into our heart, into our life. He wants to be our Savior, but he will not force himself. He says, if you'll open that door, I will come into him and he with me. And so what Jesus is waiting for is an open invitation to come into our heart and into our life. And that's all revealed by the scriptures. And then we see that the Bible reveals that we have faith in God for salvation and we have faith in God to supply our needs. In Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not only does the wholehearted believer have faith in God for his future, salvation, heaven, when he dies, we sang that song. I love that song. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Listen, God not only gives us the wholehearted believer, uh, not only does the wholehearted believer have faith in God for his future, that's heaven when we die, but he can have faith in God for his daily supply. You know, I marvel that some folks say they're trusting Christ for their salvation, but they just can't seem to trust Christ to meet their needs on a daily basis. Listen, friend, the same God who saved your soul when you came to him is the same God who promised he's going to supply your needs. Romans, or Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, <clears throat> I'm, I'm having a senior moment. Let me, uh, Romans, hmm, I keep wanting to go to Romans. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said that right after he says, look at the birds of the field, look at the flowers of the field. They don't toil, they don't work. God takes care of them. Surely he can take care of you. And then we need to have faith that God hears and answers our prayers. You know God commands us to pray. There are several different places. One of them, Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Jesus said, that he gave a parable that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Over in uh, Thessalonians, we're, we're told to uh, pray without ceasing. You know, God commands us to pray, and he desires to hear from us. You ever think about this? People say, well, why does God want us to pray? Because he wants to hear from his children. If you have children, you know what a blessing it is to hear from them when they speak to you and fellowship with you. And God wants to hear from his children. And you know, one thing we have to realize is if God supplied all of our needs, we probably very rarely ever talk to him. Now, he will supply our needs, but we come to him and bring our requests to him. God wants, to come to, wants us to come. Over there in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Many believers miss out on many blessings that God has because they fail to come to him in prayer. Jesus said over Matthew 7, Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. James tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James also tells us ye have not because he asked not. The traits of a wholehearted Christian, number one, has a desire to be examined by God. Number two, has faith in God, faith for salvation, faith for supply, faith for answered prayer. And then thirdly, being a wholehearted Christian by adhering to the word of God. In in verse three of our text there, it says, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. To walk in his truth is to walk according to God's word. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is the guidebook for the Christian life. You want to know how to live the Christian life? Go back to this whole book and it will show you. You know, man has his own wisdom, but it's directed in opposition to God's word. Let me give you some illustrations of the wisdom of man. Man believes in evolution. Man denies God's account of creation and believes that everything has evolved. Man believes in abortion. Unsaved people see nothing wrong with killing the baby both before and after its birth. The unsaved man sees nothing wrong with homosexuality. Unsaved people see nothing wrong with such sexual perversions as homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexuality, pedophilia, transgenderism, worshiping the environment, this green movement. Hey, you might be a tree hugger, but I'm not. This green movement to me is nothing but a political ploy. You say, why do you feel that way? Because I read in the Bible, people say we're going to destroy the earth. Can I tell you, we can't destroy this earth. You say, why do you say that? What if we set off our atom bombs? Listen, we'll never destroy this earth because God made a promise that one of the last things he's going to do in the book of Revelation there is he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. When he does that, he's going to destroy this earth. So we'll not, we can't destroy it. Only God can destroy this earth. Oh, I believe in taking care of the environment. Don't get me wrong. I believe we need to respect it and, and look after it. But I, I'm just not a radical tree hugger, and I'm, I'm never going to be. Just don't believe that. I don't believe that man has the capacity to ruin God's creation. I just don't believe that. Then the wholehearted Christian bases all beliefs on the word of God. These reject man's ideas, man's philosophies. These adhere to the teachings of God's word. Their life is governed by the truths, the principles, the precepts of this blessed book. You know, too many Christians are falling prey to what is acceptable by society. We need to strive to be wholehearted Christians and be more concerned about what God says in his word than we are about what society says. And then to be a wholehearted Christian, we need to live a separated life. He says in verses 4 and 5, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Vain persons are those who are open and obvious sins. Dissemblers are those whose sins are hidden from view. So he's talking about sins, sinners and, and people in general. And he's talking about those whose sins are very apparent. 
And then he's talking about those whose sins aren't so apparent. The wholehearted Christian has to separate from the ungodly people. They're going to reject the sinful ways of the wicked and refuse to engage in them. God calls upon believers to separate from the ungodly. If you can find it, go over to 2 Corinthians for just a minute. I want you to see something God says there. Chapter 6. If you can't find it, just pay attention. I'm going to read what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. Be ye not equally yoked together, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So here we find the idea of being separate. The psalmist, go back to Psalm 26. The psalmist makes reference to sitting. I want you to see it here. Let me get to Psalm 26. He says, I have, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. You know, I got to thinking about that when he's talking about sitting. I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but I take that sitting as learning to be comfortable. And you know, we as saved people ought not to be comfortable around the sin and the wickedness that's all around us. I mean, we have to live in this world. We understand that. But we shouldn't be comfortable with it. It ought to make us uncomfortable when we get around ungodliness and wickedness. All right, and then if we want to be a wholehearted Christian, we need to testify for the Lord. I look at verse 7. He says that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. You know, the wholehearted Christian willingly gives testimony of what God has done in his life. Over in Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, I've learned this through experience. When a person is truly saved, they're, they're happy to talk about it. They're willing to share it with you. I've told this story before how I knocked on a fellow's door in Gastonia, and uh, I was training two fellows how to be soul winners. And I knocked on this door, and the fellow answered the door. He's eating an ice cream. I never forgot it. He's eating an ice cream. I told him who I was. I was from Parkdale Baptist Church, et cetera, and I was training these fellows. And I said, uh, do you go to church anywhere? He told me, oh, yeah, I'm a deacon at such and such a church, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you're in church. I said, but uh, now before we go, I want to ask you a very important question. He said, yeah, what's that? I said, if you died right now, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You know, that is an important question. And we never know when we're going to have another breath. We could die at any instant. And the only way to know for sure we're going to heaven is to have Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's what the Bible says. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
And so when I posed that question to that fellow, he had been real friendly up to that point. Oh, his face got red, and, and he just his whole countenance changed. And he said, I told you I was a deacon at such and such church. And he slammed the door on us. And as we walked away, I got those two fellows. I said, you know, fellas, heart, I can't see his heart, but I really suspect he's not a saved man. They said, well, what makes you say that? I said, because when I talk to saved people, they're willing to tell me about being saved. They're willing to tell me about when they got saved or where they got saved, and, and they're glad to give a word of testimony about being saved. That's what the psalmist is saying here, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. And then, they, listen, the wholehearted Christian not only wants to give testimony about what God's done in his or her life, he wants to share that with other people. Listen, I want to see other people come to Christ because I know the joy of knowing Christ. It was many, many years ago, February 22nd, 1974, over on Yorkshire Road. I just lived up the street from me. That I came to that knowledge that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I invited him into my heart, into my life. He changed my life. And he wants to do that for all of us. And then we need to give a word of praise and spread that gospel message that others might come to Christ. You know, we're commanded to take the gospel message. Over in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, it says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Boy, don't you want other people to enjoy what you're enjoying, knowing that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven, knowing that God's in control of your life, knowing that you're walking with him and you have the indwelling Holy Spirit? I like to share that with people. And then here's number six. If you're going to be a wholehearted Christian, you need to love the house of God. I like what he says here in verse 8. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. A wholehearted Christian is going to love coming to church. Nobody has to force them. Nobody has to coerce them. Nobody has to shame them. You know, when I got saved, I got a desire to be in church. Now, up till then, I didn't want to be in church. I was not looking forward to it. Uh, I told you the story how my wife was a born-again Christian, and she belonged to a church, and I started going with her. And after we got married, there were many occasions, she'd say, Honey, can we go to church today? And I'd say, Well, no, I don't think we want to go today. Or she's, I remember this very vividly. A few times she said, Can we go to Sunday school and church today? And I'd say, Oh, no, one hour is enough for me. But you know, all that changed when I came to Christ. All of a sudden, God put a desire in me that I wanted to be in church. I wanted to be around God's people, and I wanted to be where the Bible was being preached. A wholehearted Christian will be at church every opportunity, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Too many Christians behave like those in liturgical religions. They come to church for an hour on Sunday morning, and they think, well, I tip my hat to God. No, he wants you to be where the word is being preached and the fellowship is on a consistent basis. A wholehearted Christian will love to be around other believers, will enjoy the fellowship, will like to be uh, where the people talk about Jesus and share their faith. Well, a wholehearted Christian is one who will be a person of praise. And I want you to look at verse 12, the latter part. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. You know, we need to be people of praise. The wholehearted Christian isn't ashamed, isn't afraid to give God praise. Doesn't matter if it's at work, doesn't matter if it's at home, doesn't matter if it's in the church, 
doesn't matter if it's in the public. He's not afraid to say, praise the Lord, praise God, thank you, Jesus, whatever it might be, and give him the glory he deserves because he is so good to us. He's not afraid to praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow is what the song says. In Psalm 34 and verse 1, David again writing says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He didn't say I'm going to praise the Lord on Sunday. He didn't say I'm going to praise the Lord when I'm around other Christians. He said his praise will continually be in my mouth. And then the wholehearted Christian learns to praise God in every situation. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, we're not only to praise the Lord when all is well and the blessings are flowing, but we need to learn to praise the Lord when we're in that difficult place as well. You know, God is good all the time. I remember a preacher, Dr. Jack Howes, had a church with a big Bible college. He was at the Bible college campus one day, and a young fella came running over to him, and he said, Preacher, will you pray for me? He said, Well, what do you want me to pray about? He said, My school bill's due by Friday. If I don't have my money, I can't take my finals. Will you pray for me that I'll get my money? And he said, Sure, let's pray right now. And they had prayer. And uh, Friday he was uh, walking on the campus, and that same young fellow was hooping and hollering, and he said, Preacher, preacher! And he ran over to him, Let me tell you, let me tell you, God is good. He gave me the money for my school bill. And the preacher said, I'm glad God did that for you, son. He said, But let me tell you something. God would have been good if he didn't give you the school money. God's good all the time. Listen, we don't always understand why God does what he does, but he's good all the time. And we need the people to praise him even when things aren't good. You know, I often use the illustration. It's hard to praise God when you have a flat tire. Hmm? And, and I'll be honest, I've yet to meet a Christian who went out and looked at their car, had a flat tire, and said, praise God. <laughs> I'm one of those. You know, I go out there, I see a flat tire, I'm a little upset, I'm, this is disrupting my day, blah, blah, blah. But let me tell you something, when you really stop and think about it, you come to realize maybe God just kept me from an automobile accident. Hmm? We can praise God in everything, and we need to learn to do that. If he's in charge of our life, he's good all the time. We, we need to learn to praise him, even when things aren't going so good. I remember being in Home Depot one day, and the girl asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm doing so good I can hardly stand it. And she kind of double-ticked you. And I said, listen, think about this. The worst thing can happen to me today is I die. I said, and that's not so bad because I'm going to heaven. So I'm doing so good I can hardly stand it. Listen, when you know you're going to heaven, when you've made that decision to receive Christ, it gives you a whole new perspective on things. And so we need to be a people of praise. We need to learn, learn to praise the Lord, whether it's, whether it's in, the, in the good time or whether it's in the bad time. He's always good, and he's always there. And again, the worst thing can happen to us is we die, and that's not so bad if we're going to heaven. Let's bow our heads for just a minute. I want to talk to saved folks here this morning. I'm talking about folks who, you know there was a time when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. 
and in your life, and you put your faith in him to save you. You didn't put your faith in church. You didn't put your faith in religion. You didn't put your faith in anything you do. You put your faith in that gift he promised to give you if you would come to him. If that's your situation, would you just slip your hand up real quick, put it down, God bless you. I couldn't see who did and who didn't, but God could see. Listen, if, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, are you a wholehearted Christian? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder how many believers in this room could say, Preacher, I believe I am a wholehearted Christian. I love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. I really do. I'm not perfect, but I believe I am a wholehearted Christian. Here's my hand. Would you hold it up high? Hold it up high. God bless you. Put it down. I wonder how I'm going to say, Preacher, I haven't been wholehearted like I ought to be. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I love the Lord. I, I try to do a lot of the right things and be the right kind of person, but I fall short of being wholehearted. And this morning, God's revealed that to me. And I'm asking him to help me this morning to get that right, that I might be the wholehearted Christian he wants me to be. That's my need today. Here's my hand. Would you hold it up high? Hands are going up. God's speaking to hearts. Hands are going up. God spoke to me. You can put it down. One more thing. Are you saved today? Has there been a time when you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Listen, friend, we can't get to heaven by religion. We can't get to heaven by being good. When the Philippian jailer came to Paul and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's what he said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Peter said in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God sent Jesus to die for you. He went to that cross in your place and my place, and he'll save any and all who will come to him. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open that door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Would you like to open the door to your heart to Jesus today? If that's your situation, if that's your desire, would you slip your hand up? I won't, I won't call your name. I won't come to where you are. I'm just going to pray for you. Yeah, preacher, I need to get saved. I need Jesus in my heart and life. I need to put my faith in him and not anything I do. Here's my hand. Let's stand together.